right, here we are again, An Idiot and an Expert, episode 13. Uh, a little bit of a wait in between episode 12 and 13, but we're finally back here. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, my name's Cal Jojo. I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Claudio Perfetto. Um, you can find us on Twitter, at CPerfetto11, at CalJojo5, and on the Twitter handle of the podcast page, at Idiot Expert Pod. Claude, a uh, long time no talk. How are you? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we had a little bit of our own summer break, and now we're back once the season started this past weekend. So looking forward to, to talking to you and doing this. In the issue of transparency, uh, I'm not going to pull any punches here. Um, it wasn't that we didn't want to do it. Um, it was that Anchor did not allow us to do it. Yes, exactly. They'd, the last couple of times we tried, Anchor completely failed, and that – prohibited us from doing it but we've come up with a plan b which has really become plan a now yes, so definitely our top flight option now our work through we care so much about you that we found a second way to uh, record our podcast um so we're glad that you're along and uh we're glad that soccer season is here um we're going to try to focus on uh the english premier league and as usual the the italian league um and we'll start with the English Premier League uh, in week two, right, Claude? We are in week two, yeah. Well, it just week two just wrapped up today. The last just, game was today. Just wrapped up. Um, Man City, the clear-cut favorite, uh, returning off of a title last year. Um, I think you told me before, six-to-one favorites to repeat. Um, is that just money on the bank? Uh, yeah, it certainly looks that way. They got off to as much a great as you could thought. say for, I guess, two games. Yeah, and they they played Arsenal in the first game and and beat them pretty comfortably. Um, and then this week they played Huddersfield, which is a team that is really going to be towards the the bottom half of the table, and they completely destroyed them. They're just the team is so deep. They're so you know they have so many talented, very talented players. Um, that I just can't see anybody overcoming them. My best guess would be Liverpool maybe, but I still, if I was putting money on it, putting my house on it, I would still go with them to repeat this year. Now, Liverpool coming off of a year where they go to the Champions League final, correct? Yep. Um, that's a pretty bold statement saying that really they don't have a great shot of even competing against Man City. Yeah, well, it, it's a different um, type of competition, the Champions League versus uh, the Premier League, just because the Champions League is um, – there's playoffs, and, and you ha so you have to be lucky a little bit you know, and talented to win it, whereas with the Premier League, the best team is really winning because you have to play 38 games, so whoever's the best and most consistent over the course of 38 games is going to win the title, so – so you're saying I, if they if they lined up tomorrow, Man City Liverpool, um, it would be pretty evenly matched. Right? Yeah. Well, last year uh, Liverpool actually knocked Manchester Manchester City out of the Champions League in the uh, the quarterfinals. So if you line them up and they play ten times, you know Manchester City might only win six out of ten. It's it's pretty close, but over thirty eight games, Manchester City has the depth. Exactly, because exactly for just for an example, one of their best players, if not the best, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, he's on Belgium too. You might have seen him play in the World Cup. Uh, he's you know one of the best players in the world, really. He got hurt, um, and he's going to miss like three months. Hasn't played yet this year, and it's like they won't miss a beat, you know, because they have so many other guys that could step up in that position, and. Usually the teams like a Manchester City, like a Juventus in Italy or PSG in France, for example, that have the depth to overcome injuries like that, they're the ones that win because a lot of the teams um, don't have that type of depth. So a different, you know, so, so it's a different type of competition. Gotcha. So uh, you know, just to refresh, um, it's not always the best team that wins; it's the deepest team. Uh, once we get into these uh, the league long competitions, would exactly. that be a fair assessment? Yeah, um, no, uh, for sure. So it's um, it, it's all it's a lot about depth. You have to have talent also, but if you only have eleven talented players that are starters, 
chances are you're not going to win. You know, if you look at Napoli and Serie A last yeah, I just, year. Yeah, I was going to use that comparison. I mean, it makes a lot of sense with you know? with Napoli and, and Juventus and how Juventus had depth and Napoli didn't. And then right. you know, it's the tortoise and the hare. Uh, basically, uh, slow and steady won the race uh, as they just continued to pound away. Exactly. Um, and, you know, Juventus, the rich get richer, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, just sticking with the EPL for a second, um, what would you say, uh, in your expert opinion, would be the biggest addition to the EPL this coming year? Uh, in terms of a player? Player, um, coach, what, whatever you think. Well, for me, the combination of uh, Maurizio Sarri and Jorginho, who both come from Napoli and now they're on Chelsea, uh, is a big combo just because Chelsea last year on their Antonio Conti, they had a little bit of a down year. There was a lot of negativity. Conti was not happy with the board, but the signings, the, you know, he got after some of the players. So the morale at the club was really down last year and Conti plays a more defensive style. Uh, and then this year they hired Sadi, who is a very offensive style uh, coach and they have Eden Hazard there from Belgium that's you know very talented one of the best players in the world also so Saudi will transform that team and I think bringing Jorginho with him is huge it's a big big impact just because he's somebody who knows his style who is you know really key to it so not only is he starting a new adventure but it, it helps that he's bringing someone along with him that's so familiar with the way he wants to play. So sorry, uh, sorry is not your prototypical Italian coach, right? Uh, no, he's not. I mean, Italian coaches, he is and he isn't because Italian coaches are very, um, they're very tactical, very organized, which he is. He possesses all those uh, talents and skills. But defense but, first, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Other Italian coaches, they're very direct, you know, they're as far as offensively. It's Sadi is a little bit more indirect you know they'll pass the ball side to side they'll try to keep not really doing anything with it they'll try to keep the ball a little bit instead of having the other team have the ball and try to keep as much possession as possible whereas you know another italian coach really their plan is let's stay organized defensively and then once we get the ball let's make some passes to go towards the goal and i actually try to accomplish something with it not just you know pass it around and keep possession for for the sake of having possession so that's really the difference between him him and other italian coaches how are we thinking chelsea is going to perform this year so I think they're going to surprise some people. They're not really um, that high up on the experts picks, quote unquote. You know, I think the teams are at the top right now would be, I think everyone pretty much has Manchester City as number one. I think people have Liverpool as the biggest challengers to Manchester City. Um, so they would be second. Then I think a lot of people uh, actually think Manchester United, which we'll get into, are going to finish in the top four along with Ch um, Tottenham. And then people have Arsenal and Chelsea really outside of that top four and like the five and six. But I think Chelsea could actually finish third. I, I really now, like uh, Chelsea, is how, Chelsea is how many years removed from an EPL title? Two. So Manchester City won last year and Chelsea won the year before. And now Chelsea's like has this little bit of a trend over the past four years where they won the title. They had a really bad season the next year. Then they won the title again and then they had a bad season last year. San Francisco so, Giants. Exactly. So I think the the combination of them having coming off a bad season again, bringing in a, a new coach with a new, new style. There's a lot of talent on the team still. There's no disputing that. So I, I really think they could finish in the top three, especially after seeing. I know it's early in the season, but what we've seen from Manchester United in the first couple of games and also Arsenal, um, I think Chelsea will finish in that that top four, and I I have them high, as high as number three, honestly. All right, and so the top four, obviously, for Champions League purposes, is is extremely important. Is there anyone else on the outside looking in? Um, you mentioned a team like Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, Fulham. You know, a bunch of teams that are on the outside looking in, like uh, Leicester City from a few years ago. Anyone else 
can jump up and grab one of those top four slots that you think about? No, I think it's uh, it's too tough for those types of teams. The top six really um, just invest a lot of money. They were able to purchase you know top top quality players. Um, they have the best coaches. So I think at this point th- this year, it'd be too difficult for anybody else to really make that leap. Um, you know, there's there's six of them already fighting for four spots. So now you have to pretty much jump two two teams to get to that four spot or a third team. Really, if you're outside of that top six, you have to you have to be uh, you have to beat three teams to that top four, which is really really difficult to do. So I, I don't see it happening this year. Now you mentioned that the biggest addition to the EPL this year was Sarri and Jorginho uh, for Chelsea. But does that necessarily make them the winners of the offseason in the transfer market? Uh, in, in the EPL? In, or the, EP, in, in the EPL. In the EPL? No, Liverpool is. I mean, Liverpool had a great uh, transfer campaign. I mean, they're coming because, off a great season. But yeah, they, I mean, you mentioned how depth makes the is the utmost importance in these leagues. Uh, you know, just adding a great coach and a, a great player doesn't necessarily put you over the top. Exactly. And, you know, Liverpool, a team that's coming off a Champions League final, you, you know, you were with me when we watched the Champions League game. You remember the goalie, he he made a few blunders in that game. Um, and what they did is they went out and they bought Allison from Roma, who was one of the best goalies in the world last year. So they, they filled that hole. Then they added. Well, let's, let's temper it for a second here. Sure. And don't be kind here. You think they overpaid for him. They definitely overpaid for him, but it's still – I mean, they overpaid for him in the sense that it's a crazy amount of money for a goalie. But at the end of the day, if he performs for them and it helps them win the Champions League or even the Premier League, I mean, I guess it's worth it. But I wouldn't. you know. And, and Roma, I think, did the right thing by selling him because you can't pass that, that kind of money up for a goalie just – how much? It, how much was it off the? Uh, if, you, if you remember, uh, it's like it was like seventy-five million euros, so in pounds, it was like in the sixties somewhere, which is, which was a record for a goalie until Chelsea actually beat the record uh, a couple of weeks ago, right at the deadline, because they bought a goalie for I think eighty million or something crazy. So, so um, it's a lot to spend for a goalie, but it does fill a hole for them. And if they have the money, you know, it's it's the age-old debate. You know, who are we to say? to tell a team to spend not money and money. not spend money. <laughs> exactly. So if it helps them fill a, a, a need and, and they think that it was worth it, then it is. But I personally couldn't ever picture spending that kind of money on a goalie because, you know, as as important as a goalie is, there's just so many more impact positions on the field that could use that sort of money. But on top of the goalie, they also spent – money to bring in a couple of uh, really, really good midfielders, uh, more depth to the attack. So, you know, they built their core, I would say, over the past few years, and now they're kind of adding to that core with um, like with significant upgrades or role players. So they're building a nice, a nice little team there. So, you know, I happen to really like Liverpool. All right. And uh, I know we had talked about this and we had we talked about it last year. We wanted to get into it. Uh, this year, uh, neither of us have a, a favorite EPL team, and we want, want to kind of support uh, one of these teams, uh, but we're going to go through a vetting process of that, and we're <laughs> going to go through uh, each week we record, we're going to go through a different team. Uh, we'll weigh the pros and the cons of them. Um, so let's start with uh, let's start with Chelsea. Uh, they have the, uh, the Italian coach now. Um, right. They have a, a familiar face in Jorginho. Um, I think I pronounced that right. If not, uh, what are you going to do? Um, but uh, let's start with them. And uh, as you described before, they're pretty much the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, well, similar. They do have, for people who follow the Italian league very closely, they have a history of hiring Italian coaches. Obviously, they hired one. This year, they had one for the past two years. In the past, they had Claudio Ranieri, who was the Leicester City coach that so famously won the Premier League title. Um, they had uh, Carlo Ancelotti, who was a very famous 
Italian coach, um, Gianluca Vialli, really late uh, early, early on in the 2000s, late 90s, um, was their first you know Italian coach. Really, he was a player coach out actually, and he came over from Juventus. So they have a history of Italian managers there, which for people like us who follow the Italian league closely is a pro because we know who the managers are and we know what they're doing. Um, another pro is um, they have a great stadium. <laughs> they have uh, very, I'd like their uniforms. Um, they're always competitive. Uh, they, they, are spend, the, they, they are the blues. Yeah, uh, they're the blues. And they, uh, I mean, it looks like a little, I don't know what type of symbol they have there. It looks kind of like a dragon of some sort. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, something they, like that. They play at Stamford Bridge, and their owner is Roman Abramovich. 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 Uh, yes. Do we do we know anything about him? He is a very very wealthy Russian who he used to spend a lot of money on the team. Um, he does not spend that much on the team anymore. He, I mean, I feel weird saying that because he spent like between the goalie. And Jorginho, you know, he spent like 140 million dollars, a million euros this this transfer market, which is still a lot of money. But he used to spend like absurd amounts of money, and um, so he he's not at the same owner that he used to be in terms of he really wanted to put Chelsea on the map. Like Chelsea wasn't a huge team like with tradition, like Manchester United and Liverpool are. You know, Chelsea. Um, he really he bought the team and he kind of spent his way to get to that level, um, but he he doesn't really do that anymore. He he's curbed his spending a little bit, which is a con, I guess, because we're looking for winners here. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be invested, so um, that would they, be a con for me. They are ranked eighth in the Deloitte Football Money League with an annual commercial revenue of three hundred twenty-two point five nine million euros. You're uh, pulling out all the stats today, man. Where are you, well, where are you even finding these things? Wikipedia, man. That's where you get everything. Um, so, uh, so actually, I don't know. What's is that? The euro symbol or the pound symbol? I'm not sure. Which uh, does it look like an E? Because the euro one looks like an E. Yeah, it looks like an E, but it also has a little uh, line on the bottom. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe one of our listeners uh, who lives in England can tell me uh, the annual commercial revenue of Chelsea, if it's in uh, pounds or euros. Um, but uh, that was talking uh, talking Chelsea. Uh, so <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan. I like the blue. I like the color really? blue. Um, okay. But, uh, but uh, they don't really have much else uh, to attract. Um, it, it seems like it's a team that's, uh, that's on – they're going to be in contention, uh, but they're not a perennial – legacy type team right would that be fair to say yeah uh, well right now that that team would be manchester city everybody else is kind of just you know taking a back seat because they just have a tremendous amount of money tremendous amount of talent they have probably the best manager in the premier league so just everything is working towards manchester city but we'll, we'll discuss them another day as far as whether we should follow them or not so chelsea they're as successful as anybody in, over the past few years, though, because nobody's winning the league consistently. You know, there's no like in Italy, you have Juventus has won seven in a row. In in France, you have PSG who's won a bunch. In Germany, you have Bayern Munich who's won a bunch. In Spain, as much um, popularity and as much prestige as Real Madrid has, especially from winning the Champions League in the Spanish league, Barcelona has really won most of the the titles over the past 10 years i think they've won 7 out of 10 in england you don't really have that chelsea if you take if you look at the past 10 years chelsea has probably won the most out of any of the teams um but like i said the man, the uh, owner is not really spending that much money anymore so i don't know if they're going to be able to win anytime so soon they they give out a player of the year trophy um and in 2017, 2015, 2014, it was Eden Hazard. Um, mm -hmm. Now, like you, I think you mentioned before, we saw him in the World Cup um, and how terrific he was for Belgium. Um, is there any other rising prospect or player that, uh, that a novice fan would be interested in rooting for the team because of? Chelsea? Yes. Uh yeah, one great – they have, in my opinion, the best midfielder 
in the world in uh, in Golo Kante. He played for France in the World Cup, who ultimately won the World Cup. He was part of that Leicester City team that won the Premier League. He won he won the Premier League with Leicester. The next year, he transfers to Chelsea. Chelsea wins the Premier League. Last year, um, you know, he had a little bit of a, of a down year until the World Cup, but all of Chelsea did. But he's a great French midfielder. He is unbelievable defensively at winning the ball back. He runs all game. He never. He seems like he never gets tired. The guy always has a smile on his face. He looks like the happiest man in the world. So he just has a lot going for him. So I'm a big Conte fan, and uh, you know he's definitely him and Jorginho. That midfield duo is why I'm really paying attention to Chelsea this year. All right, don't 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 uh, jump at the first at the first team. It sounds like you're you're leaning towards becoming a Chelsea fan. I just be, I'm just being honest with you. Um, I go yeah, I, I go back and forth. I mean, you have to think of it. Uh, you have to really break down each team, which we will. But you know, Liverpool is owned by uh, John Henry, who is the Red Sox so automatically. Owner, so so how could you go for Liverpool? Yeah, can't. Yeah. You know? So, by process of elimination, and we'll go through the other teams eventually. It, it's Chelsea is uh, is attractive, you know. I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, so, that was uh, like I said, talking Chelsea. Um, we'll move on now to uh, to another English team before we we head off to to Italy. Uh, after uh, we would be, it would be wrong of us not to mention how terrible of a start Man U has had so far. Um, and I'm sure that that will delight all of their uh, their followers. Um, but I think they would be the first to admit that it was not exactly what they had in mind when the season started. No, they've had um, they've had a tough preseason. So it's another team that did not spend that much money in this transfer window. They finished in second last year, but the gap between them and Manchester City was so far that they really needed to, to spend a lot of money to improve, which they didn't. And the manager, Jose Mourinho, was very, very upset about it. He made it known all summer. He is not happy with his, the team that he was given. Is saying like I can't really compete with this team, so I don't, I don't really. The thing with Mourinho is he never really does well in his third season with the teams he's been at Inter. He left Inter season, so that's why he kind of his third season was with Chelsea. His third season was disastrous. So he I that like doesn't really last places too long. And he you could kind of tell that he's big getting getting it out there that this really isn't his fault, you know, and and that the team that was given to him was not that good. And that's the reason why they're going to have a bad year, which well, is a pretty bad attitude. If I've learned anything about soccer managers is that they're always looking for the out. Um, it seems, you know, the leash is so short for them um, that they're always looking. I feel like they're constantly in a battle with the board. Uh, I think you've mentioned at least two or three coaches so far, managers so far, that have, are in constant battles with their uh, with their their board and their leadership. Um, and I just think that that's a very soccer thing, uh, just because the leash for them and the the time period that they they have at these places is so short. There's no real equity. There's no real. Um, there's no season that's basically like a rebuilding process or, you know, like a great example in NBA terms is uh, Kenny Atkinson uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, there's a 0% chance that he has uh, of actually producing a winner. And the team understands that and they stay with him uh, for the hope that eventually he will get to the point where the team is good enough to actually start to compete. But that may be five or six years down the line. These soccer teams don't, really grant that five to six year window you have one to two years if you don't succeed it seems like you're out the out the door <laughs> the next year yeah it's true and uh, you know it, it, the stakes are different because obviously making the champions league is so much uh it, it adds so much to your team in terms of revenue that these big teams really rely on it in order to keep funding the team buying new players and whatnot they kind of have to make the 
That's it's just a huge money boost there, and these managers really do have a short leash. But I would say that you know Jose Mourinho, he's at a team that probably would give him a little bit of a longer leash than other teams would do because they're owned by Americans. And let's face it, you know American owners, whether it's here, whether it's in England in the Premier League or wherever it may be. They want to make money. You know, the bottom line is the most important thing for for an American owner. And Manchester United's making a ton of money. So I don't think they're telling Jose Mourinho, look, you know, you have to win every year. Or you're going to be out of here. Number one. Number two, they're coming off, um, you know, they're a few years removed from Sir Alex Ferguson, who was their manager for a, a tremendous amount of time, like, you know, 30 years or so. I forget the exact number, but it was a crazy amount of time. So they're a club that probably doesn't want to change managers every few years, and that's what they've been doing since Ferguson left. Mm -hmm. So, and Mourinho is a coach that has a great, you know, reputation uh, internationally. He's won the Champions League with with Porto and with um, Inter. So he's won it with two different teams, with which a lot of coaches haven't been able to do. Um, he's won the league. He won league titles with the Inter, with Real Madrid, with Chelsea, with Porto. So he's won the league title uh, a bunch of places. The problem with him is I think his style is a little bit outdated. He's a very defensive style, uh, very negative approach. Historically, Manchester United has been a very attacking, entertaining, champagne football, quote unquote, type of approach. So he doesn't really mix in with that style. But Manchester United hired him because at the time they were nowhere near the top four and they knew that he would guarantee them results and getting back into the top four. And that was their priority at the time. So they hired him just for the results, really. So they knew what they were getting themselves into. And the fans, I'm sure at the time, the fans would have gladly signed up for a top four, no matter how ugly it looked, because they weren't anywhere near the top four. Now, because they got a little bit of a taste of the top four again. They're starting to cry a little bit because the the team is not entertaining, which, you know, look, I think that's that they're being a little bit babyish if you ask me, but the past two performances to start the season have not been good. And that is worrying to me because if you're playing ugly and you're getting results, it's one thing, but if you're playing ugly and you're losing, then that's a totally different thing. And, and that's not to be tolerated. Well, it sounds like in, in this season of the EPL, um, you really can't skip a beat if, if you're one of these teams that wants to compete because Man City is just going to run away with it. Right. Uh, if you, don't, if you, you take the foot off, off the gas for just a millisecond, um, it seems like Man City, you know, you, can't, you really can't make a mistake here. You cannot. And, and the, forget about Manchester City and winning the league. The top four, which is so important we keep talking about, there's six teams fighting for that. So if you dig yourself into a hole now to even get to the top four, it's going to be so hard. And, and that's kind of what happened last year with like Chelsea because they dug themselves into a hole. Then they made a little bit of a run towards the end. But eventually, when you know how it is, when, when you're making a run like that, you burn out eventually. And you know, it takes a toll on you, and, and that's what happened. They they made a little bit of a run. It looked like they had a chance, but you get to the point where you have to win every single game, and mentally, it's just draining. So Manchester United, you know, they can't really risk falling too far behind because there's so many teams that are fighting for those top four spots. And they should, you know, they finished second last year, so they should have really tried to improve on that second-place finish. And, and now, you know, you're talking about a team that might not even be in the top four. So it's it's disheartening for fans. Let me let me tell you a little comparison after hearing everything that you you had said about uh, about Man U. Um, they have uh, they have a very Pittsburgh Steeler esque uh, feel about them. And if you if you're not following me, the the Pittsburgh Steelers only had three head coaches for the past like 40, 50 years: Chuck Knoll to Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin. Now they're on Mike Tomlin, and because they want to stay with this continuous, uh, can having this continuous head coach, um, they want to be the team that has the same leader in charge for fifteen to twenty years. Um, they, you know, they may be missing out on having the best coaching candidate. 
Um, you know, Mike Tomlin hasn't performed at the at the apex. Um, many could say after last season, he probably shouldn't have a job still, but they stay with him, uh, much the way that, that man, you, um, you know, stayed with Alex Ferguson for a long time. And then, uh, now they're, they're going into a situation where they're changing coaches every few years. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, my opinion of it is I think Manchester United, they need a manager who, is part of their history. You know, it could, it should be a former player like a Ryan Giggs or a Paul Scholes is someone who is part played, of the, yeah, played, part right, of played a big part of their history. That's, you know, that's what we're seeing right now at Milan, which they were lacking, you know, for, for a while, you know, they Milan now with the, under the new ownership, they brought in, um, Paolo Maldini to be pretty much like a GM, a general manager, in charge of like player personnel and stuff along with Leonardo, who is another uh, AC Milan legend who, you know, is the, uh, is, is the GM as well. They're, they're kind of like a partnership and they have got who obviously played a huge part of their history as the coach. So, you know, Listen, if, you're not, if you're not going to sell tickets on winning, you might as well sell it on nostalgia. Right. Well, so, it, it, but it's more, you know, it's, it's different because the past few years with Milan, you know, they had ownership that didn't really know anything about the history of the team. They had directors of sport that didn't really have anything to do or know anything about the history of the team. And they started out last year with a coach that didn't really have anything to do with the history of the team. And for me, there's a, there's a, there's like a heavy weight that comes along with people who have put on the shirt, who have won with the shirt, who know what, what it's like to be at the top with that team that is invaluable to me. And I think these big teams, they really need that. You know, these big teams with long histories that are kind of getting a little lost and trying to find their way. They, I think they need that because, you know, it, it's different if you've been through it yourself and you could actually explain to, to the guys on the team and they could see it like, wow, you know, Maldini walks into the room and people are like, oh my God, you know, still to this day, they're like, wow, that's Paolo Maldini. And, you know, the players like, wow, look at the respect that this guy has, you know, and he hasn't even played in 10 years. You know, I want that respect. You know, last year they made Bonucci the captain who, you know, wasn't the Milan guy. So that was a total mistake. So it's different when you have leadership who have, who are part of the history of the club, in my opinion. And that's what Manchester United should be doing. They should be getting, grooming a manager to take over that's part of the history of the club that could hold the players accountable because they know what it's like to wear the shirt and have been through, through the battles. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think there are certain people in the history of man, you that are afraid to step into that role to, to kind of ruin their legacy? Because, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean, it's going to go well just because you were part of it. Just because you won in 1992 doesn't mean you're going to win in 2018. No, you're right. And, and look, Milan suffered that a little bit too. I keep going back to them, but they suffered that a little bit too because with Milan, they hired uh, Filippo Inzaghi, who was a great striker for them, huge goal scorer, part of the history of the club. And, you know, he got fired because he wasn't great as a coach. So for me, it's not just the manager that makes a huge difference. It's um, the culture. It's, it's the, the culture. It's and that's room. why like who's in the room. <laughs> you know, I was a little worried last year. And I know we spoke about it on the podcast when they hired Gatsu. So I was a little worried about it because they – he was like a man on an island. You know, yes, he was part of the history of the, and the culture, but they had so much going on with the ownership and, and all those issues. And they also, um, you know, the, the director of sport wasn't part of their history. So it was a little worrying to me. Now, you know, there's a whole team of guys that were part of the culture. And look, Leonardo, it's so smart because Leonardo, even though – um, he's a Milan guy. He's not just a Milan guy. He's a very successful director. You know, he's been the director at Milan and he did well. He was the director at PSG and he did great there. So he knows what he's doing. So now they bring in Paolo Maldini to learn from Leonardo because he's a guy that really has the experience. So for me, 
it's more about the team and, and that's the kind of thing that a Manchester United should be mimicking. They should have they should be grooming guys to um to take on the roles that are necessary because you know being like you said being a club legend is one thing but being a director of sport that's very good at your job and on top of it a club legend holds more weight so clearly i can't keep you out of italian soccer for too long uh you're chomping at the bit to get in it Take a few breaths here as, as I set up the situation because I imagine you're going to go on for about 15 to 20 minutes once we dive in. Um, and let me, you know, for those uh, that don't follow Italian soccer as closely or are trying to get into Italian soccer, uh, the Italian soccer world was turned on its head this past offseason uh, with the addition of the great, uh, arguably the best player in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo to the best team in Italy, uh, Juventus. Um, so that addition happens. Uh, Juventus parts with their captain, their longtime goalkeeper, John uh, Luigi Buffon. Uh, they part with, just recently, uh, the iconic and I'm pretty sure locally grown uh, midfielder, Claudio Marchisio. Um, so the favorite team uh, in Serie A, uh, Juventus, is a totally different team come week two of action. Yeah, they are. And um, first of all, I wanted to, to let you know that in FIFA, I don't know if you saw this, but in FIFA 19. I didn't get that yet. Is it out yet? It's not out yet, but guess what? No more Calcio A. They have oh. the rights to say yeah. So they have the rights. It, there we go. All right. So you look you could look forward to the correct league name being there and whatever I'm that pretty sure that means that, that I thought uh, I thought I was playing yeah, Copa Nazionale. I'm pretty sure that it's gonna be called the uh, Copa Italia in the game too. I'm I, I would I would assume that they bought the rights to both. So that's big news for you. And as far as the competition. News, other big news before you get even further in, you are going to let me borrow your ESPN Plus account. How nice yeah. of you. So uh, I can watch some of these games. I don't know if we should say that on air, but <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully ESPN does a great job. They did. They got off to a great start already um, with the preview shows, and uh, there was a, a highlight real uh, about a 55 minutes long of all the highlights from all the games over the weekend which is great so hopefully espn keeps trending in that direction it's been great coverage so far but as far as the actual game yeah ronaldo joins juventus which is it was a great off season for for setia for italy um ronaldo he's the big name but all the teams really the top team strengthened in my opinion you know, not Juventus themselves didn't only sign Ronaldo. They signed Emre Can, who's a great midfielder from Liverpool. They signed uh, Joel Cancelo, who's a great right back, a position of need for them that they didn't really have last year. So they made some great, great moves. They bring back Benucci, obviously. Say what you want about the guy, but he is a very good defender who's going to help them win games. If there's, so, listen, but if there's going to be one person that looks bad in this whole situation, it's Benucci. Right. I, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he wanted so badly out of Juventus. Then it then he goes to Milan for a year. Doesn't work out. And he's immediately now he's got to go back with his tail in between his legs. Yeah. Yeah. It, look, it's it's a strange, strange situation. Last year, like you said, he wanted to leave Juventus and he goes to Milan. He forces his way to Milan because he. He told Juventus last year that he didn't want to leave Italy. He wanted to go to Milan. This year, you know, he had a tough year at Milan. The whole team did. And they made him the captain, which is so stupid. But anyway, he wants to leave Milan. And Milan wanted to sell him abroad this year. And he was like, no, I want to go back to Juventus. So, you know, he's he. I don't know what his deal is, but he's not coming out of the situation looking great. Milan fans, it's it's a little bit of a weird situation because Milan fans really can't hate the guy because he brought them Iguain and Caldada, who are like Iguain is the guy that they need. You know, he's a he's a twenty plus 
goal, uh, a, a season goal scorer. He is just, you know, a tremendous player, someone who makes a difference in the game because he could score pretty much out of nothing. Milan's been lacking that for like six years now. So he's a huge addition. And then on top of that, they traded in Bonucci for a much younger Italian defender who's a great prospect that everyone everyone is really really high on and that makes more sense for them because they're not a team that's going to compete right now at for the Scudetto for the championship or for the Champions League so why not trade Bonucci like Bonucci really what's he going to do say Milan get into the to the Champions League next year they're not going to win the Champions League next year so you know really Bonucci by the time Milan could be competitive again at the highest level it's going to take at least three or four years at the minimum Bonucci's going to be 34, 35. So it really didn't make sense for him to, to be on the team to anymore. So Milan did a great job. Um, but, you know, aside from Milan, we discussed their moves, Juventus's moves. Inter had a great, great so, um, uh, transfer. Before, before we move on to Inter, um, back to Juventus for a second. Yep. Um, so they gained Ronaldo. They gained Bonucci back. Um, but they lose Buffon. They just recently lose Marquisio and they lose Iguain. Um, those three losses, let's talk about those first. Um, loss of Iguain, does that hurt them? And is he obviously um, the addition of Ronaldo helps, but um, but Iguain scored some big goals for them. Yeah, Iguain was great for them for the two years. He, he, he got a bad rap because people say he didn't show up clutch in the Champions League, but Last year, they won the Scudetto because of him because they were losing. They were tied to Inter Milan, you know, right at the end when Napoli could take over for first place. And he scored at the end of the game against Inter to to win the game, which was a huge, huge clutch goal. Um, so Iguain's a big loss. And here's the thing. They signed Ronaldo and they're saying Ronaldo is a striker, like a, a focal point striker, which he is in some sense, and he played that way to an extent for Real Madrid. But if you look at the way Real Madrid played, Ronaldo played with an out-and-out striker in Karim Benzema. So even though Ronaldo really was the striker and he's kind of like revolutionized himself to be a striker, he still plays better on the left. And if you watch the game against Chievo uh, on Saturday, he started out as the main striker in the center of the game, in the center of the field. He didn't really have a great... He had some opportunities, but he didn't really have a great first half. As soon as Juventus brought Mandzukic in and made Mandzukic pretty much the central striker, they moved Ronaldo to the left side, and he had a great second half of the game. Because I think personally he likes to play on the left, and I don't know if he's ready to be the main, main focal point. So for me, I know Higuain costs Juventus a lot of money, but I really and they've played together at, at Real Madrid. I think the two of them are compatible, and maybe it would have made sense to keep to keep Iguain. Now, a lot of people are saying that Mandzukic obviously um, can play that position, but Mandzukic is not a goal scorer at the level of Iguain. So, uh, you know, I, I would I have liked that to see point, him. But the only thing I will say, and you know my affinity for Mandzukic, uh, is that he scores when the money's on the line. Um, I, I find it, you know, hard to believe, and we both said it during the World Cup, when it's the 90th minute, 115th minute of, of extra time, uh, Mandzukic is going to bury one. Yeah, no, it's true. And look, the other argument is that Mandzukic gets paid less than Iguain. So for salary purposes, Iguain was the, the highest paid guy on the team. So for salary purposes, obviously you bring in a Ronaldo, someone was going to have to be sacrificed and it happened to be him. Um, because he's the most similar in position and he, he's getting paid the highest. Uh, and Mandzukic is a little more flexible. You know, if they want to keep Ronaldo as the main striker in the center, Mandzukic could also play on the left, which he did a lot over the past few years for Juventus once they got Iguain, because Iguain became the, the focal point central striker and, and Mandzukic played a lot on the left-hand side. So I understand from their perspective that you know, Mandzukic is the more flexible guy uh, in terms of salary, in terms of, you know, doing whatever it takes uh, to play and help the team. You know, Iguain, really, you have to leave him as the central striker or else, you know, he's not going to be pretty much useless for you. So, so 
we talk about their losses. Now let's talk about their additions. Obviously, you talked about Ronaldo and, and uh, Benucci. Um, but let's talk about the additions and the impact that this is going to have for Serie A. Uh, we kind of referenced it that it's now on ESPN Plus, whatever that is. I guess it's an app or an online portal to, to watch the games. It's not on uh, Bean or B-E-I-N, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but what does this do for the league um, in terms of uh, publicity, in terms of uh, challenging EPL for becoming the most popular league in the world? It's huge. Um I don't know if they'll overtake the EPL because I have to give it to the EPL there. The EPL's production here in the United States is just unreal. I, I mean, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. The Premier League, for me, is right up there with the top American sports. I mean, if you put on NBC Sports on a Saturday and a Sunday and you're oh, watching – Oh, the production quality is great. Oh, it's, my God, it's unbelievable. I think, to me – I actually think it's better than the MLB. I think it's right up there with the NBA. Maybe if you want to say the NFL is is a little bit better, I would give you that. But I think it's right up there with the top American sports, which is amazing. It's a, good, it's a very big compliment. I understand your point um, because you could turn on any game and they can make it seem like it's about to be game seven of the, of the World Series of how important it's going to be. Um, and I just think that the pregame show, during it, sideline reporters, everything like that, like they do a tremendous, tremendous job. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, the other leagues and, and including Serie A, like the, I think a part of the problem is that they, you could tell that the guys calling the game are not at the game, you know, and, and I think that for me, that's a major problem where with the EPL, it sounds like I think the guys are at the game. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but I, it sounds like that because you hear the fans very, very well. You know, you hear the crowd noise. You hear the whole atmosphere, which a lot of that is lost for some reason with um, the other leagues, including Serie A. So it's going to be hard for the Italian league to take over the EPL. But, you know, in terms of the competing with the rest of them, I think, you know, it moves them to the top. Look, the thing with Italy is – they number one, they've got Ronaldo, which automatically brings millions and millions of people to the league because there are people out there. You know, R Ronaldo's like LeBron. You know, he has his own fans. So there are Cavaliers fans, and then there are all LeBron fans. You know, who are going to go with him wherever he goes? Lakers, yeah. And Ronaldo has the same thing. There, you know, the day that he signs for Juventus, Juventus's Twitter account gets like. 2 million followers or whatever it is, something crazy. So they, it's going to bring so many more eyes to the league. Obviously, it puts the league at the forefront because the two guys in soccer that everybody wants to know and hear about are Messi and Ronaldo. And now, you know, you've taken one of them away from La Liga and you've, bringing, you've brought them to Serie A. So it's huge. And, and Italy has an advantage in terms of the teams because – Italy has prestigious, well-known teams to soccer fans outside of Italy, like England does. You know, in Spain, there's really, you know, the two teams in Real Madrid and Barcelona and then Atletico Madrid a little bit. There's some other popular teams like Sevilla. It has the most Valencia. parity by far. Other but, than maybe, I guess now the EPL has a lot of parity as well, but just not at the top. Right, but if, if Italy has Juventus, Milan, and Inter right at the top, competing for the for the championship every year those are three global brands that and a lot of leagues aren't able to match that so they need the milan teams really to get back to their best because it, it'll help the whole brand of the league but there's going to be a lot of attention on setting out and also the the main a, a big thing that it does you know ronaldo coming to juventus and italy is number one it keeps the stars that italy already has in the league a lot of the times in the past in the summer you know who wanted to leave to go play for bayern or who wanted to leave to go play for real madrid or who wanted to leave to go play for the premier league team you've eliminated that you know especially with juventus itself if ronaldo didn't sign for juventus I guarantee you there were going to be rumors all summer of where's the baller going to go? Where's Pjanic going to go? Where's, you know, where's... Um, yeah, and you seem, like, 
you seemingly thought the Balo was going to be shipped out. And now all of a sudden Ronaldo and the Balo are on the same team. Yeah, because Ronaldo, because the Balo, where was he going to go if he left? If he left Juventus, he was going to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Why was he going to go there? To play with the best players. Well, guess what? Now the best player just came to his team. So why, why would he leave? It doesn't make any sense and it goes for a lot of the players on Juventus and it goes for a lot of the players in, in the league like to the last minute of the transfer window there were rumors that Inter was trying to sign Modric from Real Madrid and he really wanted to go to Inter that's the Ronaldo effect you know people want to play against the best and he's the best and now what it did for Juventus is it brought them up another notch because you know they used to be thought of as like it was the Real Madrid and Barcelona, and then Bayern Munich was a little bit ahead of Juventus. Now, like Juventus has completely surpassed Bayern Munich, and you know they're right up there with Real Madrid and Barcelona because they have a very talented team. They've shown that they're willing to spend this sort of money to get a top player like Ronaldo. So it it, it does wonders for them, and it does wonders for the rest of the league. Now, I think we mentioned last year that it was Champions League or bust. Um, I think we spoke a little too soon because I think this year really is Champions League or bust for Juventus. This is 100% Champions League, but it's a di- it's different though, like, like you said, because last year I really thought that if they didn't win the Champions League, things would kind of fall apart for them in terms of uh, in terms of the team. You know, you would see Buffon leave, which he did, and you I think you would have saw maybe a Dybala leave. You would see you you know you would have seen a few people leave, um, and kind of have them start over from scratch a little bit. But the arrival of Ronaldo now keeps that team together. It keeps the core together. And it really makes this see. I mean, they did this for, for the Champions League. You, did, you don't need to buy Cristiano Ronaldo to win the Italian Championship. You've done it seven years in a row without him. You've done it for the Champions League. So it's a, it's a major statement for them because they're a team that kind of curbs their expectations a little bit. It's always our goal is to win win in Italy and then see as far as we can go you know the quarterfinals are is our goal in the Champions League this completely erases that Cristiano Ronaldo is not coming to Juventus to make the quarterfinals of the Champions League and Juventus is not buying Cristiano Ronaldo to make the quarterfinals of the Champions League so it is this year is 100% Champions League or bust and maybe not necessarily this year but for as long as he's on the team you know it's it's definitely Champions League or bust so before we head on to our last topic, which we're, we're going to talk about Napoli for a little bit, um, I just want to ask how you're doing. Um, as for If you're new to the program, uh, Claudio is a huge AC Milan fan. They have pretty much a 0% chance of winning the Italian League this year. Um, and their hated rivals, Juventus, have now almost have a 100% chance of winning the Italian League. Um, <laughs> How are you coping with the uh, the addition of Cristiano Ronaldo? Now, you used to love him. Now, I think you have to hate him. Well, I did love him. Um, and look, I think it turned out to be a great thing for Milan because the only reason why they were able to get Iguain is because Juventus had to get rid of him. There was no market for him really in England. Um, no one else in Italy was going to go after him, and there was really nowhere else for him to go. So it gave Milan a great opportunity to get him, and I think he's going to be a huge player for them. It's going to be tough for them. You know, the league is very strong. They're, and it, like we talk about the top six in England, there's a top six in Italy that fights for those top four Champions League spots as well. And um, it's going to be very difficult for Milan to break into that because. Uh, they probably needed a couple of more moves in addition to to the ones they made in order to secure that top four spot, and they weren't able to because of those financial fair play issues that we always speak about. So, you know, it it, it was a bitter sweet summer, I guess, because they did make a great move in signing Higuain and some other couple of guys, but it's a little bitter just because I feel like they needed one more major statement in order to propel them to to that next next level and inter really had a great transfer market so the fact that inter right now is seen as the number two team in italy um and juventus's biggest rivals is uh, is a, a little annoying for the milan fan in me gotcha gotcha so you're saying napoli then as we we turn to our last topic has taken a step back i know they no longer have sorry as the head coach 
Um, I believe you said Carlo Ancelotti is now the head coach, right? Yes, he uh, is. So uh, I know that was a big deal because Ancelotti brings experience and pedigree of being a winner. Um, but then at the same time, you know, they get rid of a talented midfielder in Jorginho. Um, so what are we thinking for the outlook of, uh, of Napoli this year? Are they no longer the, you know, last year it was neck and neck. They, this, that was their year to, to win and dethrone Juventus this year. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, according to the press and, and, you know, the quote unquote experts, you are the expert. You have to. But well, <laughs> uh, I still, I still believe in them very much. I, I think that they, to me, they're still number two. Uh, the team got 91 points last year. I mean, that's a crazy amount of points. It's the most points ever achieved in Italy without winning the title. It's the it's like still a top five record in Italy. So they had a great season. And the only person that they got rid of, they I mean, other than the manager, is Jorginho, which is a major loss. Don't get me wrong. But here's the thing. They were willing to get rid of him. Ancelotti was okay with selling Jorginho. If if Ancelotti wanted Jorginho, he wouldn't have been sold. So that tells me that and you know Ancelotti what he's going to do and what he did against Lazio, they they beat Lazio 2 to 1 on, on Saturday, which was a great way to start the season cuz Lazio's a tough team. Um he played Hamsik, your boy Marek Hamsik, yes. in Jorginho's old role because he sees that Hamsik isn't really the young athletic guy that he used to be that could run up and down the field all game. He's kind of slowing down a little bit. So he's like, let me play Hamsik in Jorginho's old role because that'll kind of conserve him a little bit and and make him a much better player at this point in his career. So Ancelotti's a great manager. The talent is still there. The only person they, they lost was Jorginho. They added this guy, Fabian Ruiz, who's a great midfielder that's going to do very well for them. They added Simone Verdi uh, to be another attacking option. So they added a little depth to their attack. Ancelotti's going to rotate the squad. He's not going to be like Sadi and play only the same 11 guys every game. So he's, I think he's going to do really, really well. That brings up the morale of the rest of the team. So for me, they, they're still the second-best team until they show that they shouldn't be because 91 points is just a, a crazy feat. Um, and then after that, you know, come the other team. So I, I still have them uh, number two. And then I would probably – I don't really believe in Inter too much, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> it could be a Milan fan in me, but I don't really love their coach. And, um, you know, they're they're a decent team. They're, they're a good team on paper. What about Roma? Good. They made it to the final four of the uh, of the Champions League. Um, yeah, I know you said they sold their goalie, but uh, did they take a step back or step forward this offseason? They've made a ton of they made a ton of moves, Roma. They they sold an angle on to to Inter. Um, they sold Allison to Liverpool, who were like two of their very key top players. But they made they brought in a ton of new players. Them and Inter, the thing with that with with teams like that is every time you bring in a, a bunch of new faces that are going to be starting for you, and you have to kind of have a feel out period. You don't really know uh, what's going to happen. They won. They beat Torino um, one nothing on Sunday. Which was a you know a good result, but they they had to fight really hard for it. They have some attacking talent, young attacking talent that's going to be um, interesting to see. So, you know, it, it's right now. If I had to line up the teams, I'm putting Juventus first, I'm Napoli still second. I'm putting Inter third. You know, as much as hard that as that pain, is for me, you to say that. Yeah, I'm putting Roma fourth, uh, Milan fifth, and Lazio sixth. That, that would be my top six. I think that's right pretty, fair, pretty fair to put Roma for. Um, but, you know, for the casual fan, I think this is a, a exciting – this is going to be a very, very exciting season in both the EPL um, and Serie A. Um, I know we're really excited to talk about it. Uh, we're going to do our best to make sure that we're, we're doing these on a weekly basis. Um, and we also have some exciting things in the, in the pipeline. Um, we'll be doing some recordings during games. Um, so that, you know, uh, our idiot myself can, can ask terrible questions to our expert, um, and probably have him roll his eyes a few times, but it'll help educate the casual fan. Um, and, uh, you know, more than anything else, 
We'd love for some interaction on, on the Twitter handle at Idiot Expert Pod. Ask us some questions. Ask Claudio uh, some questions at CPerfetto11. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll answer those questions during the podcast, whether it be during a regular recording or during one of these games that we'll be recording. Um, so, uh, you know, feel free to, to interact with us. You can find me on Twitter at CalchoJo5. And again, the Twitter handle for the podcast at Idiot Expert Pod. Um, any closing remarks, Claude? No, it's just what you said. It's a very exciting season in both leagues and, and the other leagues, which we'll touch on eventually too. Um, so now's a great time to, to hop on and start watching if you haven't already. And if you do watch, continue to watch and listen to us. We'll have some great insight. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll leave the final remark to you. Uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, good quarterback <laughs> or greatest quarterback prospect after that first few drives? Uh, Jets win the Super Bowl in 20, <laughs> 2018. 2018. There we go. Lock it up. Lock it up, EPL fans. I know you guys love to bet. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, you could have got in on action, I think, 50 to 1 odds uh, earlier. Yeah, exactly. Earlier, uh, you know, before they drafted Darnold. So, uh, so hopefully someone took a flyer on that. All right, folks, uh, until next week, we'll see you guys then. Have a good one. Bye-bye now.